Amen. Thank you very much. Well, grab your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 4. We are going to continue our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke this morning. In fact, uh, we will be in the Gospel of Luke for our AM services uh, during Advent. So Luke chapter 4, if you don't have a Bible, the, the Scripture passage we're going to read this morning should be printed in your bulletin. Uh, This morning we're going to read verses 38 through 44. Now let me, uh, before I read this passage of Scripture, let me me, uh, confess something to you. We could have very easily studied last week's passage and this week's passage together. Uh, Combined last week's passage and this week's passage presents to us a very precise message. It is this, Jesus is King. Jesus is king over everyone and everything. That means Jesus has authority over the demons. Jesus has authority over every illness, sickness, and disease. Jesus is king. He has authority over everyone and everything. And so that would be kind of the central message of this passage. However, there's another message that's kind of here in seed form this morning. And that's where I want us to focus our attention this morning. So I don't want you to think we've missed the main point of the message. But I want to focus on another aspect of the message and the passage this morning. So let's hear God's word this morning. Luke chapter 4, we're going to read verses 38 through 44. Speaking of Jesus, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people saw him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning may you come by the power of your Holy Spirit. May you open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our minds to understand and Pour your word into our hearts that they might be transformed by the truth revealed here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Answer this question. What would you do every single day? 
I was asked this question this week. And it was powerful to me. Let me set it up for you the way it was set up for me. Imagine money was no concern to you whatsoever. Meaning, imagine that you know you have enough money in the bank that you could eat all that you need to eat for the rest of your life. Your house is paid for in full. You never have to worry about what type of car you're going to drive or if your car breaks down, how it's going to be fixed or replaced. Imagine that monetarily all of your needs are met. Then what would you do every single day of your life? What would you do? I was asked that question this week by a friend. It's a similar question I've been asked prior in my life, but it was asked this way, like, what's your dream for your life? What would you like to accomplish? What would you like to see Bartow ARP Church accomplish as your tenure here as pastor? Have I, have I acquired tenure yet? Not yet. I'm still working on it, right? But that question hit me in a fresh way when it said, when they asked me, if you had all of your basic needs met, what would you do? I sat there for what was really probably just a minute, but it felt like 10 minutes, and here's what I answered them. I would do everything that I do every single day right now. I'd I'd still go to work on Monday morning. I'd still dig into God's word. I would still call people in the church, pray with them, see how they're doing. I would still try to meet people in the community, build a friendship with them, and try to share the gospel with them. And my friend looked at me and said, then you're blessed. Because that means you're doing exactly what God's called you to do, and you're doing exactly where God's called you to do it. So this morning, I come before you with a fresh perspective that I'm extremely blessed this morning. Because with the privilege of being your pastor, I get to be who God's called me to be, where God's called me to do it. I'm blessed. And honestly, it's changed my whole perspective on my life and my work this week. Because I realize this, don't tell the deacons. I do this for free. (laughs) I did, didn't I? I do it for free. What about you? What would you do with your life if you knew all your needs were met? What would you do every single day? Well, what I want to submit to you this morning is is this passage presents to us as a church what we're called to do every single day of our lives. Regardless of what type of vocation you have, regardless of whether you're still working or retired, regardless of whether you're married, single, or divorced, or widowed, or what have you, This passage presents to us in seed form what every single one of us is called to do with our lives as a follower of Jesus Christ. And what is that? We are called to be a witness for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How so? Well, the the title of this morning's message is A Fourfold Witness. And what I want to submit to you this morning is that this passage presents to us what a fourfold witness for Jesus Christ looks like. And so let's go through it together quickly as we can this morning. The first question we need to answer is this, how? How are we called to be a witness for Jesus Christ? Well, there are two ways. There are two ways that we are called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. 
First, we're called to be a witness for Jesus Christ with our words. And secondly, with our deeds. This is two aspects of our fourfold witness. We are called to be a witness for Jesus Christ in word and deed. Now, I want to submit to you that I think the evangelical church has been divided recently on this issue. In fact, I would submit to you that some good Reformed Presbyterian churches have been unnecessarily conflicted about this issue. About should we be a witness in word or in deed? Should we preach the gospel powerfully and persuasively with pure doctrine? Or should we be a church that's concerned about loving our neighbor and how to do that practically? It's not an either or according to God's word. It's always a both and. We're called to be a witness for Christ in word and deed. And we see that in seed form here with our Lord Jesus. Look at verses 43 and 44. It says, let's actually skip back to verse 42, and it says, the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. And in other words, what's happened is the sun has set, so the Sabbath has, the Sabbath has concluded, and so everyone is bringing all kinds of sick people, sick friends, sick relatives, sick ones that they know and love to Jesus, and Jesus touches every single one of them and heals them indeed. But it says that these people had so many illnesses, so many needs that they would have prevented Jesus from doing for what primarily God has called him to do. But notice what Jesus says in verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God for the, to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Do you notice what Jesus said? I must preach the good news. In other words... It is mandatory from God the Father that I preach the good news of the gospel. I was sent for this purpose. In other words, God the Father sent God the Son, no doubt, to be the Savior for our sins. But part of his calling was to be a prophet, which was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And how did he preach it? Verse 44 says, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. The sense in the Greek is he was continuously preaching in the synagogues. What does that matter for you and for me? Our Lord Jesus is the Lord Jesus. But we have been sent and called as his, we've been called and sent as his ambassadors. Which means we are called and commissioned to share the gospel in words. You may say, I don't feel like I'm qualified to do that. That's our job as a church. It's our job to equip you, to educate you, so that you comprehend what the gospel is. And that you have the confidence and the, the comfortable nature, a comfortable level to be able to communicate the gospel to your friends. Let me share a story with you, true story. Uh, when I was pastoring the, the church, the Hopewell ARP Church in Covington, Georgia, there's a gentleman that worshiped there by the name of Chad Knight. And Chad Knight would not mind me sharing his testimony with you. He's given me permission to share his testimony with you. Chad used to be addicted to meth. He was addicted to meth before he came to our church. Christ saved him uh, with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He overcame his addiction to meth and began worshiping with us. And one Sunday afternoon, Chad called me and he shared with me that one of his friends that used to be addicted to meth had recently died. Chad came to my office and he sat down and he said, Preacher, would you be willing to preach my, 
my friend's funeral? I said, absolutely, I'd be honored to do so. But the more and more Chad talked, the more and more I became convinced that Chad was far more qualified to preach that funeral than I was. And so I took a risk. And I said, Chad, would you preach your friend's funeral? After the shock wore off, he said, Tanner, I've never organized a funeral. I've never written a funeral sermon. I said, that's okay. That's my job to help you. And so he went, we talked about what the service might look like. We organized it. We outlined it. He went home and wrote a sermon for the, fun- the funeral. He came back. We edited it. And then Chad went and preached his friend's funeral. And I'll never forget Chad's testimony when he came back to me and he said, Tanner, God moved. People that I've been friends with for years came up to me and said, I never knew what happened to you. And it's powerful to hear the difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. Do you think he could do the same thing for me? What happened? My friend was a witness for Christ with his words. And it's our job as a church to educate you and to equip you so that you have the confidence and the capability of communicating the gospel to those that you know and love. You may never stand in a pulpit and preach. You may never preach a friend's funeral. That's not the point. But the reality is God has called every single one of us in here to be a witness for him in word and indeed. How do we see Jesus being a witness with his deeds? Well, we see it in verses 38 through 41. It says, Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. What's interesting is you'll notice that if you have your Bible open, that Jesus calls the first disciples in chapter 5. So at this point in Luke's gospel in chapter 4, Simon is not officially a disciple of Jesus Christ yet. Jesus goes to his house. It says, now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. In the original language, you get this sense that the fever was holding her back and was oppressing her. And it says in verse 39 that Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her immediately, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. The same word for rebuking here in verse 39 is the same word for rebuking used in verse 35, where Jesus rebuked the demon and cast it out of the the person. It's the same word for rebuke that Jesus uses in verse 41 as he rebukes other demons. What What is Jesus showing? His power and authority over everyone and everything. But notice how Jesus ministers indeed here. Verse 40, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Why is that significant? Notice Jesus' tenderness. That he had enough compassion and care and concern for them that he touched Every single one of them. 
How many of you have ever heard the hymn, He Touched Me? That was the hymn every person was singing that day as they went home from Simon's house. He touched me and made me whole. Why is that significant? Jesus witnessed to them, ministered to them indeed. The reason Jesus did that was to affirm his identity, that he was the Messiah, and to affirm the fact that he was powerful enough to conquer Satan, sin, and death. May I confess something to you this morning? This morning I, I got up and I, I took my dog outside to walk him in our community. And as I headed out the driveway, I took a right out of our driveway and began making my way around our neighborhood. As I was making my way around our neighborhood, I was rehashing this morning's message in my head, was going over the outline in my head. And I thought to myself, it's very significant, very important, Tanner, that you preach God's word faithfully today and share with God's people how we need to minister in word and deed And right about the time I get around the corner of my house, I notice that there's a gentleman who's broken down with a flat tire in our community. And I tried to wave at him, but he was on his cell phone, and I thought, good, because I really don't have the time to help him out today, because I really got to get to church and preach on how you need to be a witness for Jesus Christ in word and deed. Isn't that horrible? So hypocritic. It's so hypocritical of me. And so I began making my way around the community. In the back of my mind, I thought, Tanner, you should really go back and talk to that guy. Because, I mean, how in the world could you actually stand up in the pulpit this morning and preach about loving people in word and deed if you don't at least go back and try to do something? But I looked at the time and I thought, man, I really need to get a cup of coffee in me so I won't be dragging at church. And I made all these excuses in my mind for why I shouldn't go back and try a second time to talk to the man. And so I, I let Jack off in the house and I, I went into our garage and I pulled out this, this two-ton car jack. I put it in my car, drove around to my neighbor's house. I said, I got to do it. Even if I'm late for church today, this would be a good excuse for being late for church. Don't you think? And as soon as I get out of the car, I looked at the gentleman and I said, hey, do you need a jack? And he looked at me, I kid you not, he said, it'd be great if you had a two-ton jack in your car. And I did. Now I say that this morning, I share that this morning, not to brag, but to confess. It's so easy, so easy even as a minister, to think, if I just pray for people, that'll be enough. But rather, what God has given us time and time again in our lives are opportunities to be a witness for Christ in our deeds, in what we do. And how can you do that? Sometimes the most simple thing you can do is be a resource for someone. They need a carjack, you've got a carjack. They need a job, you know someone who's hiring, you get them connected. They need help around their house, you help them around their house. Sometimes all you need to do is be a listening ear for people. The greatest commodity in the world today is time. 
And sometimes the greatest way you can show Christ's love is by giving someone time you really don't have to spare. We are called to be a witness for Christ in word and in deed. Notice for our Lord Jesus, it was not an either or. It was a both and. Does the word get primary importance? Absolutely. That's why our Lord Jesus says in verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why he did not allow their needs to press in upon him to the point that it neglected the preaching of God's word. Nevertheless, our Lord Jesus did witness and did minister in word and deed. It's not an either or, church. It's a both and. And perhaps the opportunity you need to seek out this week is someone to pray for this week or maybe to let them know that you're praying for them or maybe even take the dramatic step of saying, you know what, thank you for sharing that need with me today. May I pray with you today. That is how Christ has called us to witness for him. It's in word and deed. Now, where do we do that? Those are the two other aspects of a fourfold witness. There are two contexts that God has given us to witness, be a witness for him. It's as a church gathered and as a church scattered. In my opinion, this is one of the most significant categories a faithful Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church needs to get in their heads and in their ministries. There are two contexts that God has called us to serve as witnesses. The first context is a church gathered, and the second context is a church scattered. Let's, let's review them in this passage and see, massage them into our lives. Notice how Jesus was a part of the church Gathered. Look at verse 38. And Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Notice what it says in verse 44. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus was regularly a part of the church gathered. How was the church gathered at Jesus' time? It was in the synagogue. Do you know what the word synagogue means? It means to bring together, it meant a place of assembly. It was the place that God fears that Jews that worship the one and only true God got together for the purpose of worshiping God and studying God's word. One of the ways that we minister in word and in deed is that we gather together as a church gathered. The New Testament Greek word for church is ekklesia, which means a place, a gathering or a place of assembly as well. That is why the author of Hebrews says that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. One of the blessings, one of the many blessings of COVID this year is I believe the, the church is beginning to realize the fact that when we don't gather, when we are not allowed to gather, we miss something very significant in our walk with Christ. We miss the fellowship, but even more so. And more significant than that is we miss gathering together with God's people to realize that we're not pilgrims alone in this world, but we've gathered to worship the one and only true triune God and have his word minister to us through his ordinary means of grace. And so as a church gathered, what are we called to do? God has given us simple tasks to do. 
They are called the ordinary means of grace. For example, I remember the days when the Dallas Cowboys used to win football games. Those were great days, let me tell you. Those were back in the days in the 90s when Troy Aikman was the quarterback and Emmett Smith was the running back. And didn't Emmett Smith go to the University of Florida? Yes, so that's why they were winning back then as well. But here's what I know about the Dallas Cowboys back in the early 90s. They really only had three running plays. And the, the opposing defense always knew that they were only going to run one of three running plays. But do you, know, do you know why they were so dominant? Because they were faithful and committed to the three running plays that they were given. And so they executed it with faithfulness, perfection, and precision. Friends, one of the reasons why the church of Jesus Christ has diminished its powerful its power and its efficacy in the church today is because we have gotten distracted from the simple running plays that God has called us to pursue. God has called the church gathered to do a few things well. He's called us to preach the word of God faithfully in season and out of season. He's called us to gather together for prayer. And he's called us to gather together to administer the sacraments, both baptism and the Lord's Supper. Those are the four running plays that God the Father has given his church as a church gathered. And far too often, we allow ourselves to get distracted with things that are good things, but they're not the best things. And so as a church gathered, we're called to preach God's word, to teach God's word, to pray together, and to administer the sacraments. That's what we're called to do. And do that in word and in deed. We gather together for worship, for Bible study, and that's why we have a diaconate to serve those that are widowed, that are elderly within our church, those that are sick, to minister to their physical needs. So notice as a church gathered, we're to minister in word and deed, both as a church gathered. But as a church gathered, we are not called upon to meet every need in the community of Bartow. We're not called upon to fix everything about Polk County. That mission, that, that calling is far too great for us as Bartow ARP Church. But God has called us to do four things well. To preach the word, to pray, baptize, and celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as we flesh that out, we not only educate ourselves. We not only exalt Christ, but we equip one another so that when we scatter, we can be a minister and a witness in word and deed. Now you may think that's, that's not enough for us to do. Friends, have you ever heard the testimony of Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon, when he was 15 years old, made his way into a primitive Methodist church on a snowy day. Charles Spurgeon did not go into that church because he was looking to worship God. He did not attend there because he wanted to hear God's word preached or that he was seeking Jesus. Rather, he was simply trying to escape a snowstorm. And at that church on that day, they didn't even have the best preacher there. It was a substitute preacher that read Isaiah 45, 22. And as Charles Spurgeon was there, even in the back of the church in the narthex, he heard these words read from Isaiah. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God 
and there is none else. And at that moment, Charles Spurgeon was cut to the heart, and he was saved. What did the church gather do that day? It simply ran one of its four plays. It read the word, it preached the word. And Charles Spurgeon was saved. That day at that church, nothing significant looked like it happened. But one man's heart was changed for eternity forever. And that day would be the catalyst for the second best preacher the world has ever seen. That's why Charles Spurgeon is called the Prince of Preachers because there's only one man that ever walked the face of the earth that preached the gospel better than Charles Spurgeon. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. As a church, we're called to a fourfold witness to work, minister in word and deed, both as a church gathered and as a church scattered. Notice how Jesus hints to the fact that our ministry needs to be gathered and scattered in verse 38. It says, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. In other words, Jesus literally left the building. <laughs> and he went, into si- he went to Simon's house. And then it says in verse 43, that I must go to the other towns as well. So in other words, Jesus is saying that we are to be scattered both near and far. And notice wherever Jesus went, the kingdom of God went. Friends, when you encounter people in our community, when you encounter people in your workplace or in your neighborhood, do they sense that something's different about you because Jesus lives in you? Jesus may not ever call any of us to go to the, to the mission field across the seas. But God has called every single one of us to be a witness for him in word and deed, both as a church gathered and as a church scattered. Now, can I lay this out very practically for you about how I think that the mega church has gotten this wrong in the past? Here's how the mega church has gotten this wrong. Let's take my example this morning about the, the young man in our neighborhood that had a flat tire. There are some churches that would take a look at that situation and say, you know what, I've got a great idea. As a church, we've got the resources to start a Christian ministry at the Bartow ARP Church that's called the Christian Ministry of Mechanics and Towing. And whenever anybody in the Bartow ARP Church walks around their community, walks their dog, and they see someone with a flat tire, do you know what you have to do? Just call the diaconate. Or just call somebody in the church, and we've got people employed at the church that are mechanics and are tow people that work for Bartow ARP Church, and they will be dispatched to go help fix flat tires and tow cars everywhere. Now that seems far-fetched. Or is it? Wouldn't it be much simpler if we just said this? As you go around your neighborhood as a Christian... And you see someone in need of a jack. Since you love Jesus and you want to show Jesus' love to everyone that you meet in word and deed. As a Christian, 
loan your neighbor your jack. Why? Because this church is not a building. This church is her people. When you leave this building, this church does not cease to exist. Because you are the church of Jesus Christ. And where you go, your Savior goes with you. And where you go, you are called to be a witness in word and deed. So I would encourage you to look for ways that you're currently enjoying your life in places that you live, that you work, and that you play, and ask God to show you how you can be a witness there in word and deed. If you run, you don't need to start a Christian runner's club. Run with your friends, especially the ones that don't know Jesus. To hear their stories, their needs, their concerns, begin praying for them, and at times take the dramatic step of, and leap and ask them, may I pray with you right now? Why? Because God calls us to be a witness for him when we scatter in word and deed. Thank you for the privilege of being your pastor and to serve alongside you. My perspective on my life and ministry was changed forever this week. My prayer is that you leave this service this morning with your perspective changed forever. Knowing that God has called you with a fourfold witness for him. That whether we're gathered or scattered, we're to be a witness for him in word and deed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to be faithful as a church to what you've called us to do. Help us to keep the main thing the main thing. And as we leave here this morning, help us to embrace the gracious calling you've given to each and every single one of us. To be a witness for you in word and deed where we live, work, and play. We know we won't do this perfectly, so motivate us by your grace, not by guilt. Because we know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, help us, motivate us, encourage us to want to share that good news with everyone that we meet. And prove to them the difference it can make in someone's life. Because of our attention to the minutia and the details of their life. In practical, tangible ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people agreed saying, Amen.